Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson. I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the best independent magazines and delivers them to thousands of readers around the world every month. This week, I'm speaking with Zina Alkayat, editor and publisher of Bloom, the gardening magazine she started when she moved into a new flat and suddenly became somebody who had a garden for the first time. She started looking around for books or magazines that would guide her through what she needed to do to start gardening. And when she couldn't find anything that spoke to her, she realised that she needed to just go ahead and make it herself. It sounds like that also coincided with a time when she was looking to make a change in her own work, and it certainly hasn't been an easy process for her. She speaks at length about the difficulties involved in publishing an independent magazine, and I really appreciate her being so open about all those things that it's not so much fun to talk about on a podcast. But of course, it's not all doom and gloom, and she also explains how the magazine has opened up loads of new opportunities for her. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Zena from Bloom. Zena, thank you so much for making time to speak. Oh, thanks for having me, Steve. So you are the publisher, founder of Bloom magazine. Um, which I always think is quite an unusual independent magazine. I guess we'll come into like why I think it's unusual in a bit. But um, first of all, it'd be useful for you to just give us a bit of an overview. Tell us, what, what is this magazine that you make? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear why it's unusual. <laughs> why I think it is. But um, so it's, it is an independent magazine. It's um, a celebration of gardening in nature. Um, so it's it's got a lot of very varied content in it that ranges from how to so you know how to plant roses or when to grow your sweet peas or how to build plant supports so quite practical stuff that's the whole section and then more um, more thoughtful and more thought-provoking stories about nature so looking at our relationship with it um, looking at people who have dedicated their lives to it, different ways that we can work holistically with nature, but really interesting stories sometimes potentially attached to like um, art or science or history. Um, and there's a lot of diversity in, in what we write about and what mm. we cover. And we try to kind of unearth things that maybe mainstream media wouldn't pick up on. Mm. We also work with people that mainstream gardening media doesn't generally kind of have maybe the opportunity or hasn't historically felt they need to work with so it's um it's really varied as you go through it and it's also quite colorful we work with a lot of illustrators so um the nature of gardening media generally in nature is 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 that it's seasonal so we can't always be shooting at exactly the right time of year for the exact issue that we want to shoot for but equally me and the art director Sarah Pike absolutely love um, illustration and working with illustrators so from the very beginning we just wanted to bring that in so as you go through again it's really kind of varied in its um, in its direction and design and mm-hmm. geography and some of its <laughs> illustration some is practical and some isn't so yeah 
sounds good to me. Well, one thing that is, I think, very clear is that this is a, a very personal magazine. And in the introduction to issue 10, you speak about your reasons for making it. And I, I love I love the idea that basically, well, your, your quote is, it was the magazine I needed and wanted to read and felt in my gut that others needed too. So so this was all kind of based around a life event for you. This this was you moving into a house that had a garden for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it was exactly that, like just looking out of this window at this garden and feeling kind of terror. <laughs> and, and it's been such an evolution since then I mean that terror has just sort of changed my life because I went off in search of like books and magazines and things that might help me just do a basic plan of what to do with the garden and I think that the experience of not finding something that was accessible um, that I connected with that was well designed I mean, when you, you look around, I mean, certainly back in 2018, when we looked around for that kind of thing, it was all speaking to much wealthier people, people with mm. large gardens or access to um, the countryside and living in London with this small plot. Like, there was just the, there was no match up between what was out there and what was needed. Um, and that's kind of how Bloom came about, but it was sort of, crossed with the fact that in my career at that moment I just really needed this sort of sense of freedom and to take ownership over something and to sort of build something myself from scratch mm. and those two things just collided at the like absolute same time and and that's how it happened but as Bloom has evolved like I have as well and it is super personal like everything about Bloom I feel like really intensely I mean it sounds really naff to say it but like I it's so much me and you know the team as well but just like I feel so connected to it and that kind of initial oh what do I do with my garden has changed into this relationship with nature that I don't think I could have ever got to if I hadn't started bloom it just opened my eyes to like this whole world out there mm, so mm, yeah mm. there's a lot to be grateful for it's i mean it, it's a uh, it's surprisingly common in independent magazines for someone to say oh well you know i made this magazine because it's just the magazine that i really wanted to read or i really needed at this time I, i've got to say i'm always like baffled by people who say this it's just like so you <laughs> you had a problem and your decision the way that you solve it was i'm going to make a magazine about this which like making a magazine itself is just like an incredibly difficult, expensive, time-consuming thing to do, but yeah. but I mean, clearly, you know, it's 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 worked for you. What what would you say? Because obviously, you're now you're three uh, years in, ten issues in. You're clearly not somebody who now is terrified by the idea of their garden. I I presume. How has that then fed through to the magazine and and made what you actually put on the page difference? Yeah, it, it does change it because I think, um, you know, like I said just a second ago about kind of evolving with it, I think our readers have evolved with it too. So anyone who was there from issue one, um, I feel, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm projecting here, but, I, you know, from, from the feedback we get and from our kind of um, conversations with readers, 
I feel like they've grown in confidence. They have a better handle on um, plants and gardening and being outdoors. And so the content has changed. So initially there might have been, I mean, it's quite hard to put your finger on really, but initially there might have been more absolute basics. And now I feel like we're building on that knowledge um, that mm. kind of basic gardening knowledge and like pushing a bit harder and finding kind of mm, mm. challenging aspects, I guess, to yeah. cover. And it's the same with the nature stories. Like at, when you start a magazine, particularly if it's a subject that isn't your subject, you know, and I didn't know much about it, everything is amazing, everything is new, everything is exciting. And I think three years later, you become more discerning about the stories you cover. You start to notice and realize that's been well covered or you know there's 50 of those it's not so unique and mm. you're able to make better editorial decisions I think and I think the same of our readers maybe at the beginning that awareness wasn't as broad as it is now mm. Um, mm. and generally everything's changed in the world people um, you know the pandemic has changed the way we see the outdoors and so a lot of the stories that were kind of hidden a few years ago are much more on the surface these days um, which is great so that that also changes how we cover things like, like what, what sort of stories how, how did the pandemic affect the sort of things that you were covering one of the main things was probably um, this kind of mental health aspect so you know three four years ago there might have been a sort of quiet chorus of people saying nature is good for your mental health I'm not saying it was any in any way sort of a secret or anything, but it felt like some people knew and some people didn't. Mm. Now, if you switch on the telly and it's just like, I don't know, even like morning TV will have done a, done a segment about how gardening can help your mental health. It's absolutely in the mainstream. Mm, mm. Um, and I think when people were um, in the various lockdowns and felt like the only sort of freedom they had was their garden or like a walk around the block. I think that's when the kind of light bulb moment <laughs> sort of happened. And that's what's kind of brought it in the, into the mainstream. It hasn't necessarily changed bloom, but I wouldn't do a piece about um, gardening is good for your mental health because it just sounds so, so basic. Right, right. I see, I see, I see. Well, so at it from different angles it seemed like that's that's a given that's an obvious it was there from issue one so we just try and find a different way of of um communicating that in i guess a more complex or more kind of nuanced way mm, mm, mm. so I, I said at the start that i thought bloom was kind of unusual uh, as independent magazines go and we've we've touched on this a little bit already but so the strap line is uh, gardening nature inspiration and it seems to me that often with independent magazines, you focus on the kind of like, what does this feel like? So if, if it's like a cycling magazine, it's like, you know, what does this, what does it feel like to be riding a bike and, you know, flying down a hill or, or doing this? Whereas in the mainstream, the bike mag will focus more on like, how do you do it? So like, what's the bike that you need? What's the kit that you need to do this? And Bloom feels to me like it does both. The, there's the, like you say with the nature stories, there's a lot of, um, there's quite unexpected stories in there, but then there's always this this presence of 
real clear how to like the you know okay so you want to grow roses this is how you grow roses and that that feels to me like quite an unusual presence in an independent magazine and so but it feels like that's something that was really kind of central to a project for you from the start yeah that's that well you know when i said oh i hope you say what i think you're going to say <laughs> good. Yeah. good glad to be predictable that's good no, 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 not at all. I don't know. I don't know that anyone said that to me in the last three years. Nobody has. Nobody's picked. Maybe if they've picked up on it, it's like subconscious. I, I don't know. Yeah, but it was absolutely intentional. It was designed from the beginning, and it was the concept that I had for it from mm. day one. So mm. this, and the reason for that is I. I mean, I love independent magazines. Um, you know. Obviously, print media is just something I'm really passionate about. But often, when you pick up really sometimes very expensive magazines, they're the price of books. Mm. They feel they can feel really esoteric, um, very spare. But sometimes you're flicking through several pages before you get to any words. They're not. They're not always. Uh, the kind of value for money that you would want them to be mm-hmm. that that for me that and that's how i feel about some of them mm-hmm. and on the other end you know talking about this like newsstand sort of mainstream magazine they don't seem to have any um they don't seem to have a clear or beautiful sense of art direction so everything's kind of crammed on um a lot of the font choices are not great um, a lot of the images they use are stock it, it can be a little bit depressing sometimes to flick through them but what you do get is tons of content so mm. like sometimes some of the most enjoyable reads are some of those kind of mainstream mags or, or sometimes the free ones so like when you look at um these are not endorsements by the way but when you sort of flick through like the free magazine you get with waitrose or um, the, the kind of ones where they're just packed with information and you can spend quite a lot of time on a single page or at shopping pages, recipe pages they're all the really fun bits of magazines that sometimes independent mags just do away with mm, mm. I just wanted to keep that fun and that, that sense of like what's on the next page oh my god there's so much to get into and this kind of dynamic um movement through it and that you have like a busy front section quiet features in the middle and then all of your kind of like say shopping and recipes and one page interviews at the back like they're the things to love about a mainstream mag like a newsstand mag so why get rid of it mm. so i just sort of fused them together um and it sort of helps as well like keep that price point at eight pounds i mean actually probably the work that goes into one issue of bloom is maybe three times as much as goes into a 15 pound mag that is a bit more spare because it takes us so long to create the content but it's just such a joy to do like I, I sort of I love that it's full and I love that it's it's like good value mm, mm. Uh, well, well so so look so you you were careful to say that they were not endorsements there so but but I'm interested are there endorsements that are, are there magazines that you look to for inspiration or, or just for giving yourself a, a sense of where you could go next? Yeah, um, I've, 
I've got to say, I don't generally look left and right that much because I can. I find it a bit distracting sometimes. Um, if one magazine is doing something a certain way, it can sort of throw my decision making. So I generally don't look at magazines that much. Every now and again, I'll do a big kind of um, indulgent spend and just enjoy them for enjoyment's sake. So I'll get like some, you know, some of the classics like King Folk or something. I'll also read Courier, which is another good example of a magazine that's jam-packed, actually. Um, and But right at the beginning, the one that I, I often reference and I always go back to is Lunch Lady, mm. which is an Australian magazine that's for um, parents and families. Um, and it's just so positive. It just brings you such... It just makes you smile when you look at it. It's very colourful. They've gone for pattern um, and texture the paper's really kind of um, uncoated and earthy there's like a, a fabric spine it just it feels great it looks great and actually when you get into it and start I don't have kids myself but when you start reading it you just feel so inspired the kind of quality of content is really high um, so that's one I, I think has just kind of maintained this like bar to reach like they're so good at what they do so mm. that would be mm. my it's funny as well lunch lady i mean as you say it's australian magazine it's not massively well known over here but it gets picked up again and again uh, by magazine makers as saying this is a, a magazine that i love i think there's just there's something in it that speaks to the sort of person <laughs> who would then go and make their own print magazine maybe it's all those lovely papers or something I don't know. I mean, again, I'm see what I mean. I'm not very good at kind of plugging in and seeing what's going on in the in the magazine world. But um, yeah, that's really interesting, and I'm not surprised. And I think their longevity, the fact that they can put out magazine after magazine, you know, they've been going for years, and mm. it will be great. That's inspiring because yeah. it can be challenging to to keep going at that level. Totally. Well, okay. Look, tell me about some of the challenges then, because you are. As I said before, your tennis shoes in now after three years. So, I mean, that that is a really consistent publishing schedule that you have kept going. So, so how do you do that? Um, well, with quite a lot of difficulty, to be honest. Um, and I guess the most stressful and challenging element of it is the financial side. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there's nothing fundamentally stressful about making the magazine editorially and working with Sarah to design it. Um, there's nothing, obviously there's pinch points, obviously people are late, there's copy that comes in that's terrible and needs work, there's images that don't work, all sorts of things that are just normal part of publishing mm. are stressful, but nothing is as stressful as keeping the business going. Mm. Um, and I think maybe like the brilliant naivety of like launching with a magazine it's kind of good in a way that you don't know what's coming because otherwise you'd never do it it's (laughs) the fact that you have to just be like a logistics manager a marketing manager a customer services manager you have to just be constantly across so many difficult bits of like admin and communication and things go wrong and and no money comes in Mm. so you have to work a job at the same time so I'm working 
I try to hold down like two jobs um, to keep it going. And that is definitely, you know, it gives you, it makes you pause and makes you look back and think, was this the right thing? I mean, always the conclusion is, yes, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I'm where I am. But the, the challenge is like, how do you keep, how do you make it work? How do you get it to start working for you? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, is that really downbeat? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what we need. We need people speaking honestly about what it's actually like to make these magazines. I mean, how much of your week are you actually spending on Bloom? Um, so, well, that's really difficult because it depends where we are in the schedule. Mm, sure. I'm published three times a year. So you've caught me now at the end of um, Bloom cycle. So we it some some weeks it'll be all week mm-hmm. um, some weeks it'll be about 50 percent. but a lot of the times people think you're working on the magazine or you're saying oh, i'm just i'm just working 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 it's not necessarily on the magazine itself it will be all of this peripheral stuff that i'm talking about like getting pricing from printers and um working out where a stray package is because DPD lost it or, mm-hmm. you know, there's all the stuff that kind of comes with the, it's just the day-to-day of trying to get the magazine into people's hands because you can, of course, just make it print 500 on a digital printer and get on with your life. But I, you know, I'm, I, th- I think my ambition is to just get it out to as many people as possible mm. and no one's going to find it unless you put the work in and your customers aren't going to be happy unless they, you know, it arrives promptly and it's in good condition and it's well, but you know, you've got so many elements to think about if you're trying to, um, yeah, if you're trying to kind of grow your readership. Of course, of course. I think it's quite telling that, so in the magazine you're listed as editor-in-chief, and speaking to you now, you describe yourself as publisher, founder. I mean, so that's at least two really distinct roles, which probably speaks to the fact that you get into this as the editor because you want to be working with words and telling stories. But then quite soon you realise that you have to be the person who's speaking to the printer and like chasing the DPD package and stuff. That I mean, do you, do, do you have other people around you working with you on the magazine who can take some part of that no (laughs) (laughs) but also yes so I have a lovely kind of support network around me who just keep me going um of like friends and family and stuff um I have Sarah Pike who is like heaven sent she's the art director she works really hard she helps me with the Instagram she is has become a nature photographer through the course of the last three years um, and Laura Morrison, who is the editor, and she just has a real kind of insider kind of passion for um, gardening. She's amazing at finding, um, you know, well-hidden stories and interesting people who are doing interesting things very quietly, and that just deserve to be shouted about. Um, she's been on maternity leave, so I am her. <laughs> That's her as <laughs> me. So, you know, these things happen, life, you know, people have to just keep living their lives and Sarah and um, Laura both, you know, are are meant to be part-time, we were friends, we are still friends, but, you know, we met through publishing and our friends, so 
they have other commitments and other things that um, you know take up their time. So sometimes if it, it can feel as if I'm carrying quite a lot and that I'm thinking about being you know 24 seven. Mm, mm. um, so yeah, yes and no. Some there isn't really anybody to pass things on to, and also it's 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 part of your my nature to to not be that great at finding people to delegate to. <laughs> Sometimes like the idea of like passing it on just seems like more work than just doing it myself. So for anyone out there who is thinking of starting a magazine, it doesn't have to be like this. I'm sure it really depends <laughs> on who you are <laughs> and how you work. And if you're better at delegating and finding like people to work with, then yeah. it'll be a lot easier. I don't know that. Like my experience is, it, it, yes, you can find someone to delegate, say the editing to and the design to, which is exactly what you've done. But it's pretty hard finding someone that you can delegate chasing DPD to because that's just not very fun. That's like no, nobody thinks, I know, I'm going to start a magazine because I want to chase a shipping company. They're, it just It's just sort of the thing that you end up having to do in the end. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's a lot of it. There's, there's a lot more of that sort of stuff than anyone could ever imagine. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, well, look, I, I feel your pain. The, I, 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 know, I know exactly what that's like. So, but, but then I think that probably there will also be other things that have come about through Bloom which are more fun and positive the like because I, I I think that you've been involved with like some other projects that have come about as a result of running the magazine haven't you yeah I mean it's just been amazing like as with everything if you start something new and if you start something from a good place you know that's kind of honest only good things come back and it has been amazing just the fact that you get to meet and speak to so many incredible people doing amazing things every day for the planet and for others it's just really inspiring and then on the work front yes we are growing and um, we're now in partnership with a publisher called Francis Lincoln which is a heritage gardening publisher um, my background's in publishing so I have made books um, commissioned and made books that, that was what I was doing before I launched um, Bloom so um, we're sort of marrying the two bits um, and publishing a range of Bloom books mm. with Francis Lincoln so they start the first one is, is this year 2021 in November it's called Into Green um, and that's sort of an exploration about how we can live um, more closely with nature how we can have a deeper relationship with nature and um, it's written by Rose Ray and Carol Langton they are amazing kind of houseplant specialists they've got their own studio in Margate um, and I've worked with them for years I commissioned and published their first book called House of Plants which was a huge like international hit in the houseplant world um, and so it's really nice to kind of pick up on that, those kind of publishing relationships again. Mm, mm, mm. And next year we're doing like two handbooks that are so beautiful. And again, it's like going into sort of um, this, this little corner of publishing, this kind of gardening corner of publishing and just sort of like trying to sort of bring it up to date a little bit. Mm. So it's generally quite a sort of, old school area of the market um, hasn't necessarily had 
much attention and now suddenly lots of publishers are publishing into this area so it's a really nice chance to just like create books that feel really up to date we're doing two very cool handbooks one on shade planting so that's planting plants for shady areas um, and one on cut flowers which is growing flowers that you can then cut and have in the home mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's th- th- that's what we're up to at the moment sort of expanding and then independently, we were also publishing a gardener's journal, which is our first piece of stationery, which is a sort of accompaniment to your year in the garden. Oh, beautiful. That's lovely. Well, so, and again, something that has basically come along because you're, you've put yourself in the right place by publishing the magazine. Do you, so looking, say, another three years down the line, another 10 issues, do you see yourself still publishing the magazine or do you think that maybe like you know these other projects could take primacy and and could become the thing that you devote that time to um yeah i mean there is so only so much time in the day and trying to do it all is quite hard but i i can't see myself like letting go of the mag like it's it's so much fun to make and like i say it's just brought so many amazing opportunities and has changed like the way I live the idea that I wouldn't be doing it is kind of sad but I feel that over I guess the next 10 or just keep responding to things that that I think people need that I need so you know like I was saying about the gardener's journal I need that I never remember what I'm doing in the garden I need a journal to kind of help me through my year and somewhere to just note down what I've planted and what care it needs and so it's such a sort of privileged position to be able to make the decision to say, well, let's make it then. Mm, mm, and if mm. I need to know how to, um, you know, uh, start a veg patch, I get to put that in the magazine and we get to go and find somebody who can answer that question. And I just can't see ever not wanting to do that because it's just, it's just really an amazing thing to have in your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Zina, it's so lovely to speak to you. Um, thank you again for, for taking the time to talk and uh, really good luck with all of these projects that you've got coming up uh, in the next few months. Brilliant. Thank you, Steve. Cheers. Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Zina for speaking with me. It's really exciting that she's managed to link the magazine back up with her old career in book publishing, and it sounds like there's lots more to come on that front. If you would like to see Bloom for yourself, head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and search for it there. Uh, You'll find the latest issue plus back issues too, uh, with lots of sample spreads and story lists so you can get a better idea of what it all looks like on the page. And while you're there, please take a look at our latest project, our Stack Trumps 2021 card game. Uh, We just put it up for pre-order yesterday and we've had a great response to it so far. Um, It's a top Trumps game, but with independent magazines. So you get 30 cards, uh, each one featuring a different magazine published this year uh, with all their core stats like number of pages, height and issue number. I've wanted to do this for ages, so I'm really pleased we're finally getting around to it. Uh, We're going to be shipping them out at the start of November, so I'm hoping they'll make for a nice little Christmas gift uh, and a kind of reminder of some of the great independent magazines that were published this year. 
but of course we've never done anything like this before so i've got literally no idea how many we should print so if this sounds like something you'll want to buy help us out go and place your pre-order so we get an idea of numbers uh, and of course then you guarantee a pack for yourself and please tell anyone who you think would be into these little independent magazine cards we want to reach as many people with this as possible Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.